happen. In the sixth month, Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Dan. Will you join me in prayer? Father, Lord, thank you for letting us come into your presence this morning as a body of believers. Father, thank you for those that are here, but for those that are um, participating through uh, internet or whatever. Father, I pray for all of us that our hearts will be open to hear from you. Father, I confess again my trepidation at opening your word and preaching your gospel. For Father, the, the notion of somehow making sense of it all and, and communicating a baby that is also the rider on the white horse whose name is faithful and true and, and how all that comes together, Lord, still boggles my mind and stirs my heart. And Father, this morning I pray that I would decrease and you would increase and that you would make yourself known to us. Lord God, that you would receive honor and praise and glory and that you would call us man, woman, child, congregation to worship you ever more deeply in spirit and in truth with the intimacy of sons and daughters of the living Lord. We ask in the name of our Lord, our Redeemer, Jesus, amen. Amen. Dan read for us uh, from Luke regarding Gabriel's announcement to Mary. I'm going to read to us for a moment from Revelation 19. It's a different picture of this same baby. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and the one sitting on it called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. 
And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. And this is the same one of whom Gabriel told Mary will be in your womb. How in the world does that make sense? How does that ever make sense? It wasn't in Mary's thinking as she woke up that morning. It wasn't in the dreams of, of life that she had laid out. I mean, she's, she's probably about a 13-year-old girl, somewhere between 12 and 14 years old. We'll settle on 13. She's a 13-year-old girl, and she's got dreams for her life. And, and I promise you, that was nowhere in her life plan. But we all make plans, right? Scripture tells us that many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord directs his path. We like to make plans. I love the questions that we get this time of year around Christmas. Are you ready for Christmas? <laughs> Who, raise your hand if you're ready for Christmas. I'm ready for it to be here because I'm ready to see all my, my family and all that. I'm ready for that part, but the rest of it, I don't think so. We make plans and then the Lord, uh, I think, laughs. There's a lot in this passage. We're going to narrow it down to really just a couple of things that, that God has the right to alter our plans. God has the right to alter our plans. Uh, and, and then we're going to ask the question, how will we respond? How do we respond when God comes in and alters our plans? God alters uh, Mary's plans to be sure as he sends the angel Gabriel to visit with Mary on that day. And he, he sends... He sends Gabriel to Nazareth, okay? So, so get, that, get that picture. He sends Gabriel to Nazareth to a, um, a wide spot in the road. We don't know much about Nazareth. It isn't on, on any ancient maps, but there's a lot that we can surmise as we read about that kind of a village uh, outside of Jerusalem, outside of Judea, in Galilee. We know a little bit about what that village would have been about. So we were able to understand some things. It would have been a shoddy village, a, a probably a corrupt village. It would have been a place where um, Gentiles and Roman soldiers resided. So Rome had, uh, had authority over all of Judea, over all of Jerusalem. And so Roman soldiers, um, single Roman soldiers living in your village outside of any other law but their own. Nazareth would have come up under that and all that went along with that kind of a, a situation. God sends Gabriel past Judea to Galilee. God sends Gabriel past Jerusalem with all of her glory, the city of the Lord, right? past Jerusalem to this wide spot in the road. God sends Gabriel past the temple to this small village. 
to a girl. God sends Gabriel past any, any type of royalty, any wealth, any, any midwives, any, any physicians, to a 13-year-old girl in a small Roman-controlled village that was little more than a wide spot in the road. Since Gabriel to Mary, Mary was a girl like any other girl. Uh, she would have been um, poor, likely in that village, uh, illiterate, uh, a peasant. Certainly not somebody that you would draw up to be uh, the recipient of the, a king in her womb. She was a, a girl that was a, a daughter. You know, she had a mommy, she had a daddy. She was a girl that, that had a, a husband coming. She was betrothed to Joseph, a carpenter. She would have been excited about that and excited about the coming wedding. Her and her girlfriends would have talked about that. You know, what's coming up? You've got Joseph. Yeah, that's awesome. I get Joseph. And she would have been thinking about building their home together, their life together. And, and, and as one friend put it, babies, babies, babies. You know, that she, she had dreams, the same dreams that any other 13-year-old girl would have had at that time. And it didn't include a visit from Gabriel. And yet Gabriel comes to her and, uh, and says, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. She's troubled by that. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. That's the second time he says that, favor, favor. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary, by this time, has got to be just walking back. It's like, whoa, 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 you've got the wrong girl. What she says is, how, how will this be? How will this be? How can this be? Since I'm a virgin, I mean, do you not know what's going on here? I think there's several things wrapped up in that question, how? And we're going to address those for a little bit. The, the obvious one is, is, how will this be since I, I'm a virgin? She's, she's got to be thinking, okay, God, um, did you skip biology one-on-one? <laughs> Do you not know how this stuff works yet? And, you know, and of course, God created biology, so he knows how it works, right? God created Adam. God created Eve. God created Mary. God, God knows how, how this works. But the question is there, Lord, did you skip, did you skip biology? I don't get it. How in the world can this, this happen? It's a good question. How can this happen, Lord? I think it also includes this, this bearing of a Messiah in, in your womb, a Messiah that, that saves. I mean, she's looking back to, to the promises that were given to King David that your line will never end, that there's the, there's the Messiah coming from you, David. And this angel is standing here telling this little peasant girl, the Messiah is going to be born in your womb. From your womb, this Messiah, the offspring of David is coming. 
and he will save the world. How will this be? How will this be in Nazareth? I mean, this is, this is not what happens in Nazareth. In Nazareth, we, you know, we're, we're, we're born, you know, to the earth. We, we, we till the soil, you know, we, we build cabinets and houses, but, but we're not wealthy. We don't live in palaces and we grow up and we're, we're, we're you know, eking out a, a meager living. You know, I, I'll grow up from being a, a, a wife that doesn't, or a daughter that doesn't have a lot to a girl that doesn't have a lot to a wife that doesn't have a lot, but I'll have my husband and my children will be satisfied, will be content in Nazareth. But what doesn't happen in Nazareth is that kings are born. How can this happen in this little place? It's, it's just, it's a hopeless place. I think that's really important because it points to the humility of Jesus. I mean, Jesus, Jesus could have been born in a, in a temple, right? He could have been born in a palace. He could have been born, could have been born anywhere. He could have been born surrounded by, by midwives and physicians and, and, and guards at the door. Could have been born with, with silk, you know, and, and, and all, all those kind of things all around him. But that's not what he did. He chose humility. And yet we're full of so much pride at times. This being born in, in Nazareth, which didn't fit to Mary, which doesn't fit, also points to the depth of our spiritual need. That Jesus skips all of that and, and goes to the most humblest of places. He doesn't tell Nazareth or Mary, hey, earn your way, earn your right, earn, earn favor. Favor isn't earned. Earn grace, grace isn't earned. He doesn't say earn the right to, to give birth to the king of kings. Earn your right to step into the temple. Earn your right to be known and spoken of for the rest of history. He doesn't tell Mary to earn any of that. Because she can't. Jesus makes his way into humility through Nazareth and through Mary. How does hope come from a 13-year-old girl in hopeless Nazareth? That's impossible, isn't it? And yet God is a God of impossible. You look in verse 36. And the angel answered, Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. In other words, this, this baby that we born in you is from God himself. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. In other words, she, he's, this angel is telling Mary, I've already done the impossible with Elizabeth. She is with child. And the impossible elsewhere, I mean, he delivered the, um, the, the Hebrews from Egypt across the wilderness for 40 years. He delivered 600,000, maybe 2 million people in a desert and fed them. He delivered that many people across the Red Sea. And Moses had to be thinking, you know, as, as God says, hey, cross the Red Sea. And he's looking at the water and he's looking at the, the people. And he's thinking, that's not going to happen. But God did it. God's good at the impossible. Mary also has to be thinking, how and why me? Not just because I'm a virgin, but why me? I'm just, 
I'm just a girl with hopes and dreams and plans, and they don't include this. I have a husband that's coming. I'm betrothed to Joseph. Who's going to tell him? Who's going to tell Joseph? We know back in Matthew chapter 1 that God tells Joseph also. Do not be afraid to take Mary home to be your wife because what is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. And Joseph obeys and follows God. Who's going to tell Joseph? She has to be thinking, who's going to tell my mom? Right? Who's going to tell my dad? And how are they going to react? Will I be a peasant girl that's put out on the streets? Who's going to tell my friends? And it comes back to these, these, these answers that the angel has given to Mary. It's about favor. You have found favor with God. Not because of anything great you've done, but because God has given you favor. The, the how in this is mesmerizing, but we can't miss the heart of this. The heart follows on that same, on that same line of thinking. Mary is going to give birth to the king of kings because of favor. The word there in the, in the Greek is the same word we get uh, grace from. The root is charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, um, grace. It's because of grace. We're in great need of grace because we have an insurmountable need because of our sin. Mary's gonna give birth to Jesus because of grace. God's given her favor. We have a great need for grace, and that's at the heart of all of this. We have a great need for a Savior, and the Savior's ours because of grace. The Son of the Most High, the Son of God, will be born through your womb. The, the virgin birth here is essential to Christianity. It's an essential part of Christianity. We read in Romans 5, that, uh, that sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and that we inherit sin because of Adam, okay? That Adam was our representative and we're all sinners just because of Adam. Before a baby has sinned, uh, the first time before that baby has, you know, told his parents no the first time, and if you haven't noticed, you don't have to teach a baby how to say no. You might teach him how to say mama or dada or pop pop. But, you, you know, you don't have to teach them how to say no. They come by that honestly, right? But before that baby has even worked up that little rebellious thing to, to test mom and dad by saying no, they're sinners. Because they've inherited sin because of Adam. Romans 5 teaches us that just as sin entered the world through the one man, Adam, so salvation enters the world through the one man, Jesus Christ. So it's, it's critical that we have a virgin birth, that this man, Jesus, is born of woman, fully human, 100% human, and yet born of God, 100% God. So his father's not an earthly father, so he has not inherited sin himself. He doesn't have to pay for his own sin, so he can pay for our sin. And he does that by grace. We have this insurmountable need that we cannot possibly meet, but we have this tender Savior born of a woman as a baby who crushes sin. Crushes sin. A Savior full of love and a Savior full of power that would grab us out of darkness and carry us into insurmountable light. Favor. How does Mary respond to all of this that's turning her world upside down? 
She says simply, I am your servant. I'm your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. How would you have responded? How do you respond even now when God interrupts your plans? I'm your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word for redemption, Lord. Let it be to me according to your word for restoration, Lord. Let it be to me according to your word to be made holy, Lord. Let it be to me according to your word that one day, because of Jesus Christ, we get to see him face to face. Let it be to me according to your word, O Lord. What are the implications of that for us today? Let me give you three real quick, okay? First, we are in great need. Our, Our tendency is to hide that, to stuff it, to pretend those needs don't exist, to pretend that we can somehow pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, we can dress up well enough spiritually, we can fake it, we can pretend, we can put up a facade and fool everybody around us, maybe even fool ourselves. That we don't fool God. We are sinners in need of a Savior. We have a great need, but God filled that need through Jesus Christ. Second, He filled it through Jesus Christ, all of grace. It's all of grace, my friends. We come to Christ by grace and we keep Him by grace. So when we have that that tendency, that feeling that we need to somehow prove ourselves worthy before his throne, my friend, what what we're doing there is we're saying your grace isn't enough, Jesus. Your grace isn't enough. I've somehow got to do it on my own. You can't do it on your own. You have to have Jesus. It's all of grace. Third, There's going to be times when God will lead you in ways that are counter to your plan. You'll be tempted. You'll be tempted like we all are. We're tempted to try to stamp our plan on top of God's. To take his plan and try to alter it. To cut and paste some of our own plan in there until it looks nothing like his plan. Because we somehow believe that even though he is God, that we're, we would be better at being God than he would be. Right? The temptation's there to ask God to come around to our way of thinking or to just ignore him. Instead, he calls us to, to say, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word, O Lord. Let it be to me according to your word, O Lord. My friends, he gives us grace for that. He gives us favor for that. He comes alongside us for that. Let it be to me according to your word, O Lord. Will you pray with me? Father, uh, I pray this morning that you would help us to grasp your word and your grace. Father, that we would say to you, Let it be to me according to your word. Father, forgive us for those moments and times, those days, weeks, months, years of our life when we look at your plan and we push it aside and we try to alter it and put our own plan in its place. 
Father, thank you for your tender grace, the way you continue to woo us to your side. Father, fill us. Fill us with your grace, Lord, so that we eagerly run hard after you to follow where you lead. Father, thank you for Mary. Cannot wait to sit with her and hear all these stories. Father, this morning we again give this time to you as we now shift, Lord, to uh, installing this man that you have brought into our midst to be a part of our body, uh, to lead our students and families in a deeper relationship with you. Through Jesus Christ, amen.